Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this just might make you more confused about your other one. <laughs> That's fine. Can you move this? Yeah. It's making me uncomfortable. Alright, I always feel guilty that You're I take notes, but... Uh, You're right. That was really prophetic. Uh, that was, yeah. No, you willed it into existence. <clears throat> Alright, we'll discuss a few things. I'm also, I'm not using um, this source sheet. Whatever. But anyways, uh, I wrote this yesterday and the day before. It's been on my mind. Anyways, so quote unquote, I apologize for not giving a hooer and shot because I was complacent and lazy. And a preliminary message is that I plan to make this much more structured. So instead of verbally heaving whatever comes to mind, there's more of a flow. Um, but also Adar, like the Rapintan has a safer on Kodesh Adar, and it's his largest one. So there's just too many in Ghana, and we think of all of them. So this is like a drop in the ocean. Um, the Torah doesn't refer to the months by the name you call use. It refers to each month as Chodesh Ashvi'i, Chodesh Ashmini. Um, Tosos and Rosh Hashanah on the seventh half quotes of the first paragraph of the Yerushalmi um, in Rosh Hashanah that, the, that we get the names of the Hebrew ones from the Akkadian uh, Babylonian roots and the Rebbe has a sikha somewhere that I can't find it and if anybody knows where it is please show me because I've asked every single bearded person I know and nobody could tell me where it is where he talks about I read it like like four or five summers ago where he talks about how like, even though the names of the Hebrew months come from Akkadian or Babylonian roots where my limba kedusha when we transform these secular words into something holy fine so Adar is the last month the twelfth month and then when there's a double, it's the 13th. The mazel of other Aleph is the Pisces, the Dogen. And Adar Beis, according to many, has no mazel. It's the 13th month, Gematria Echad. So Adar Beis represents the world of ultimate unity, which is the totality of existence um, of nothing but God. And that every aspect of the world exists within one all-inclusive totality. That's why anybody here in this is this is right, no? So, so uh, in this uh, it says Kigavna instead of the Bame Mablik and Mishnais. So, um, one of them, uh, so in Kigavna it says Kucha Brichu that the Holy One is one, that the secret of Yikevaki, which is one, and the name of Yikevaki, which is one. So, that's that, what other other days uh, represents. And most of them hold Yesh Mazel Yisrael, I'll beat some. Say in Mazel Yisrael, but the Ran interprets the the in Mazel Yisrael as saying that the Mazel doesn't have shlita over Kali Yisrael, while the majority maintain that it can affect us. But we have the ability to rise above it. That's why Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak did in the Gemara and Shabbos, or in the Gemara and Tanis and Daf Kafhei says Nicha lechad Achriv Alma de Ulai Avri Beidna de Mezonai that Hashem asks Rav Elazar Ben Das, is it more convenient for you that I return the world to its very beginning? Perhaps you will be born in an hour of sustenance and not be poor. There's a debate in the Gemara and Shabbos whether or not Mazel has control by day or by hour. So, that's why the Hasidim... Oh, you know the Hasidim? That's the only way you're waking up in the morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is bad muscle in the morning. Oh, we should look into that, actually. But, um, like, between 6 and 7, you've heard this, between 6 and 7, Hasidim won't do Kiddush. Because that's when the, when uh, Mars is out. PM? Yeah, PM, yeah. Um, unless you do it on not red wine. If you're a little bit makele, you do it on white wine, then it's fine. Um... Because Mars, that's when Mars actually. But either way, the Ran also says that in Eretz Yisrael there's no Mazel. Like Ain Mazel be Yisrael, Mamish be Eretz Yisrael. Um, there's no zodiac influence. Because there's a direct flow from the above um, to the below. So there's no need for an inter- interface or transition space between us and Shemaim. Um, so when we connect to Hashem, we tap into the ultimate unity. The Echad, the Gematria of thirteen. So that's why in other days uh, there's a, some say there's no Mazel from thirteen. Between uh, is Echad. So other Shani, um, yeah, that's when we rise above it. Um, and other Aleph is Pisces, um, the, the Dogim. Uh, which Tanis in the Tanis in Dafkov Test describes as a Bari Mazla. It, it, it means it as a strong Mazel. The, the month of other is a very strong, strong Mazel. Um, I should also note that according to many other Bays has a Mazel and other Aleph doesn't have a Mazel. So either way, whatever it is, there's like this eight week continuum of either Mazel then no Mazel or no Mazel then Mazel or you can just switch off what Shita you hold and then there's eight weeks of Mazel. But either way, it's, 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 a, it's a continuum of something. It's a 60 day continuum. The Rebbe also says elsewhere on this. I'm th- when I say the Rebbe, I'm referring to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe. Um, so he's a Sikha on this that like, it's like Batal Bashishim. Any day with an other Aleph and other Bays, 
hear this? Yeah, you just said that. You said that. You texted me. I texted you. What did I text you? Possible Bishishim Vayes. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Oh, because that's right after I read the Sicha. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, other comes from a dear strong, so it's a very strong mazel on this month. Um, other also comes from the word Idra, which is Aramaic for fishbone, and we said that the that the, the mazel is Pisces, the dog, and so Pisces is. Uh, if you look Google Pisces, you'll see the logo is uh, symbolized by two fish swimming in opposite directions, which represents the internal struggle of decision making or of deciding which direction should I go in, which we can be attacking and other. The vote of others essentially being attacking the Nusionis of Sphacus, make decisions, CBP. So other is uh, also Rashi Tavis Rasha. Hmm? Um, other is also Rashi Tevis, um, uh, Reisha Deloyis Yada, the unknowable header, the head that doesn't know. So um, there are two types of unknowns. There's first the Adeloyada type of Sveka, and then there's the Amalek type of Sveka. The, like the Amalek is a Gematria uh, suffix. So Sveka Adeloyada and Sveka Bechinas Amalek. Sveka really is a hashtag. So Sveka hashtag Amalek. So we'll be Maschal Bignus Messiah Mishavach. So first we'll talk about the Amalek type of Sveka, then we'll talk about the Adeloyada type of Sveka. So Gwarn Chulim Davkuf Lamites asks Haman Minhator Minayin. Where do we learn about Haman from the Torah? So anybody know? Yeah, Hamina eats from the past when the Nachash says Hamina eats. Have you eaten from this tree? So Haman's name is a question. It suggests uncertainty. It suggests a doubt. It's something undefined. The question implies a wish that it not be answered and defined. Haman attempts to instill a doubt and cause us to live in a state of perpetual questioning and second guessing ourselves so that he can ensure uh, in us a place of crippling doubt. So the Amalek type of not knowing, the Amalek type of speaker is uh, fraught with feelings of crippling doubt, uncertainty, or craving for equanimity, whereby we can be in a state of distance from ourselves um, and not have any feelings come with decisions we have to make in their outcomes. So it's a very, um, you know, crippling, debilitating type of uh, speaker. And this type of Speaker is predicating the fear of flimsiness of human value and that morality of life. It's very much rooted in I don't know what will be in the world, so I'm going to kind of, uh, so it's just very hard to decide because everything's kind of random. Like we have this unhealthy desire to know everything, um, but we can't know everything, and that kind of makes us question the foundations of everything. That's kind of what Akhir did when we're, we're not really sure what's up in life, and we kind of just keep. You know, we're, we're just not sure which direction to take them. We kind of think that everything is just randomized and it doesn't really matter. And that's why Haman uses the Goral, because the Goral is all luck. Haman says, Esau kol asher, when Haman, in the sixth parak, when he's describing to his family everything that happens, the Apostle says, Esau kol asher, everything that happened to him, things happen, it's all randomized. There's no greater purpose. Uh, there's no need to take action, because no action can be substantial, can substantially change the Mitzvah. So everything in the world that happens is passive, and we are just passive products of what that which is going on in the world. Um, and which is a very unhealthy way of looking at it and approaching something. Um, and oftentimes people have very unhealthy attachment styles because of the fear of the unknown. We want to make that, we want to, we're naturally attracted to that which we're familiar with and when we leave things to the helpless fate, we stay victim to our own predisposed susceptibilities and we can lack awareness of the primordial impulses and attachments. Um, so that's why uh, I'm just, I'll reflect on like uh, one type of unhealthy healthy attachment which is uh, our result. What? So, yeah, go for it. Ice cream. Ice cream? Oh, stuff in your face versus facing your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just reflect on one type of uh, unhealthy attachment, which is a result of clinging to that which is unknown or avoiding the risk of uh, having to self-reflect, because when we have to self-reflect, then we have to realize how much we don't know. Clinging to the unknown? Um, clinging to the known. We, we oh, often yeah, yeah, cling yeah. to the known, because okay. yeah. we're so comfortable with that. Um, Right, because often people who haven't faced um, their own wounds or resolved scars so easily protect and blame other people without knowing it's a, defense, it's a defense mechanism. So my brain is conditioned to protect me from any interaction, which may reveal a part of myself that I've hidden from myself for many years. And it's precisely the more profound that um, our relationships are. It could be any type of relationship, family, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, those are the ones that touch the wounds the, the deepest. The relationships that are destined to go to the, to the deeper places trigger you in deeper ways. So we have to self-reflect and not project onto others. That's why also, like the, the kind of God, it says, he was with Adi, the Adas, Adas called Israel. 
um, that he was first mechaber for himself, then his family, then the whole world, because you have to be mechaber yourself for others. So also, Rav Kook's son, Rav, Rav Tzi, Rav Kook has a word on the same thing with love. Like, if you love yourself, then you can love your family, then the world. Some people try to skip to the world first, and then they'll end, as a result, they'll end up loving themselves, and it's just not the order that it works. Also, that's the same thing with Tversky. He says, implicit in Be'ahat Kalecha Kamocha is Kamocha, that you have to love yourself first. Um, so that's why, um, when the, when the, the Gemara Kedushin daf, I forget the daf, Ha'posel the Mama Apostle. Anybody remember the daf? Um, I'm not going to remember. I'm just sitting here won't make me remember. So Ha'posel the Mama Apostle, that, that if you puzzle somebody else, it means that you're really puzzle. So the Bashem says that any negative thing you see in anybody else, or any just negative sound in general, if you see the negative of somebody else, it means you see a lot of negative things in yourself. Yes, the Gemara, it's a mirror. Hmm? It's the Gemara said it first before the Bashem told Yeah, but you really, people always quote the Bashem when they talk about it. No, yeah, it's a Gemara thing. It is the Gemara, that's the Apostle Mama Apostle. Also the one, yeah, in um, the Gaia. The what? It's a mission in the Gaia. Oh, you, have to show, you, you, you show me after. Um, but people always quote the Hashem on, on that. Uh, on that. Um, yeah, because often we project our issues onto others. So like the, the, the I, I spoke to you about this one time, like the big word is red, uh, the buzzword is red flags, but instead of analyzing somebody else, nitpicking every minute detail and characteristic and diagnosing other people with disorder that you don't really understand, but viscerally relate to because you had it probably, you should ask yourself what unhealthy self-sabotaging characteristics do I have that will be conducive toward the demise or instability of this relationship? And what am I going to do to fix it now? And all, again, oftentimes with that which we project on the others is things we need to work on in ourselves. Um, and what we need to work on ourselves is often what we, uh, what we often hide from ourselves. And then uh, Jordan and I were actually learning a, a very good piece by, by Rabbeinu recently, so quickly go into that. Um, it's based on the Pasuk, Hashem Mar Rabu Tzarai, Rabim Kamamalai, that Hashem, how great are my, my tormentors, many rise up against me. That's in the third paragraph of Tehillim. So he says, Every single person, depending on his soul and his service to Hashem, has, he, he, he suffers, uh, experiences suffering. So there's this analogy by some secular um, philosopher, I'm also blanking out, but we're in a base metric anyway, so I wouldn't be able to quote him. But he says um, that there are essentially two types of people. There's, there's the person that has a very small glass and his glass is full. And this person has a very big glass, but his glass is, there's not a lot of water in it. So those are the two types of people. And, and you know, that, that's how we could, uh, uh, some people suffer greatly, but their glass is very full and other people a little bit less. Or everybody suffers, but you're not, you're not aware of it, so your glass is very small. And you have the same amount of water, you just, your clea is greater. Right, your clea is much, much, much bigger. And somebody's have a full clea, but it's a very small clea. So they're, they're full, they've completed, the, they're showing, but it's like, yeah. you, you know, it's not that much, it's not that impressive. Um, so then, each person by virtue of suffering carries himself um, carries on himself those people from whom he suffers. Because when we experience suffering from them, he carries them on himself. But how is it possible for something physical to carry on itself? So many people. As a result of suffering, the body is subjugated because this is. Um, um, this is because all forms of suffering are called distress, or they distress and oppress the body. Meaning that we, you know, Renafman's essentially he says that you can have like an entire you're living on your shoulders. You're you're holding yourself because so many people, so many people hurt you that there's literally an entire city or an entire town living just on your shoulders. So that's also where we spoke about uh, uh, psychosomaticism 101. This is the Bessel van der Kolk about um, uh, tra- uh, about uh, trauma being the this by definition intolerable. Um, so we try to suppress our experiences out of our mind and take, this takes up a lot of energy and precipitates unbearable physical sensations. You've heard of Vanderkolk? No. It's essentially that you, you store trauma mamish in your body. It, it's like stuck somewhere in you. Um, right, that's what Rabbi Yachman says. How is it possible for something physical to carry on itself? So many people. So, um, yeah. I'm trying to bring it back. Ah. Okay, so yeah, so uh, we wouldn't be angry at people if we view them as shluchim of Hashem, telling us what we need to work on. Since anyone, anything, anyone, anything, or anyone that we don't like, 
they embody something that we fear most in our lives. That's what people don't like divorces, and that's what people don't like singles, because they embody our worst nightmare um, for ourselves or for people that we like. So, uh, and, and we have to view people as shluchim and not view people as out to get us and not people, view people out as threats. Um, and we wouldn't feel such a heavy burden on ourselves if we didn't feel like we have to know everything. We create all these stories and narratives in order to fill the void of not knowing because we don't know. That's why we start stressing out about things. That's why we start creating these narratives. That's why we have all these fears. And that's why we start carrying cities on our shoulders. And all this comes from a lack of a of not being comfortable with the idea that one, we don't know everything. And two, there's a knower of everything whom we need to be misbattled ourselves to. And that's the second type of uh, svega, which is the adulayado type of svega. How am I doing that time? No. Yeah, good enough. Um, Right, so we have to get comfortable with not knowing everything. Be misfapped with the greater knower of all things. So in the Tanya, in the second parak, uh, the Tanya says, that Hashem is chachma, He is knowledge, but not a type of knowledge that we can ever understand. And then he quotes the Rambam that says, that Hashem is the, the, the knower and the subject of that which is known. Um, then the Tanya says, Right, so that, that, uh, it's something that like, we can never really uh, in any, in any um, meaningful uh, uh, not meaningful in any uh, full capacity um, and it's the same thing with interpersonal relationships like there's this very western notion that uh, like spouses have to know everything about each other and oftentimes people end up vomiting every minuscule detail ad nauseum and it doesn't contribute to the relationship it just very much comes from this place of like I have to know everything I need control and control can be attained by knowing everything but we can never really get to that point um, so I'll end off with um, what something your Soledic says about doubt which I think is uh, really the Vekar Abdel Yada. Um, because Adelaide is essentially, it's the goal of not knowing. The goal is not to know. That's not where I start and then I have to know. Everything It's Adelaide. We want to get to that point of not knowing. What, not, what he says that? Yeah. Oh. Is there anything like a, a line you want to share? Oh, this is like the whole idea that you're saying. Like, that, that, so the greatest type of knowing is not knowing. Yeah, but you have to get there. That's a goal to attain. Yeah, it's a goal. You, you have to, you have yeah, to yeah. want it. You have to create it to not know. So, so they take rights. There's an essay called Sacred and Profane, Kodesh and Chol and World Perspectives. It's in this pink book called Essays of the Rav. Um, so he explains how, according to many religious interpretations, secularism is a state of uncertainty and fear, um, unrest and apprehension, and, and you know, no man finds contentment, nor peace, nor anchor, nor haven um, within secularism. Um, and religion, in contradistinction, is a state of peace. It's a state of abiding home. It's a barricade to the indifference of nature and, it, uh, and the fluctuations of the fluctuations of life. And it's essentially an anchor and a haven uh, where you can unburden yourself and, uh, of the many responsibilities that we feel in the world. So the Rosalajic says that this is like very good advertisement for religion, but it's not really true. He says to the contrary, the religious experience is fraught with pitfalls and continual challenges. Uh, we don't even, uh, and we don't really relieve our worries from it, but we just find newer worries and we find greater ones. Um, he says that religion, religion on the one hand, like it does enrich our lives and does give it depth, but it doesn't really grant us or necessarily need to grant, for, grant us that comfort or stability. Um, that's a very shallow perception of what Judaism can do for you. Um, and he says the grandeur of religion relies in its mystery and its magnitude and what he calls the, the mysterious, uh, the, the mysterium tremendum. So it's in this state of conflict and dissonance that we have to surrender to Hashem, not to the notion that we need to know everything, which ultimately leads to the false realization that everything is randomized and nihilistic uh, in the mindset of Amalek, the Pachin Suffolk, because uh, I, I can't really control anything, so that means nothing must really be rooted in anything epistemic or anything um, concrete. Um, that's why also, uh, I forget where it originally comes from. Originally, they were shown him talk about it, but then the Chassidim take it over the Tachas idea, Shalai Yada, that... Uh, the Rishonim say it a, a little bit differently, but it's based on Rishonim's Tachas idea Shalayada, um, Shalom Neda, that there's this reality beyond knowing, and that's simultaneously empowering and overwhelming, but we need not uh, be debilitating uh, when we approach doubt through a healthy lens. So the vote of others to get comfortable with fake is get comfortable with how little you know, no matter how much you know, you know so little, and to learn to live in a state of doubt and happiness simultaneously and stop trying to know everything. Don't be nosy because it's a sign of Lika Muna.